KRCL, Salt Lake City. This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Rashawn Leak, and on the show tonight with me is executive producer Laura Jones. Tonight we're going to talk about Ukraine. I take it you've been watching the news, Rashawn, and seeing what's going on in Ukraine since the invasion by Russia. It, it's hard to it's hard to turn away. Honestly, it's it's you know it's it's just. I said earlier, it, it's just weird to see us in war or, or some form of war in 2022. 2022, and you're a dad. You were talking about seeing what's happening to kids over there. I, I feel like that's one of the hardest things. Like, and I don't want to take away from anybody who's not a parent, but, but seeing you know fathers kiss their wives, kiss their kids as they put them on the bus to head to Poland, and then and they get geared up. To, to fight war. It's, just, it's so surreal, Laura. It is. It is. It's really hard to understand. I spoke with Professor Amos Giora last week. I'm losing track of what time it is, too, mm-hmm. as this conflict turns on. And he gave his perspective on it. Tonight, um, really, you were saying this earlier, excited to do this show, but it's such a solemn topic. So we're going to do our best to strike a balance. And one of our guests this evening, Danielle Stevens, who was a Peace Corps volunteer and served in Ukraine from 2017 to 2019. She hooked me up with Bogdan Kalichavi. He's the mayor of Kopichinsi in Western Ukraine. And I'll share that interview. But uh, And Danielle will join us. But on the panel, we also have... So we already said Danielle. So we also have Jonathan Friedman, who's an honorary consul for Ukraine and Utah. And Gary Crofts, Program Officer, Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy, which just hosted a delegation from Ukraine. So we'll find out what that delegation has experienced since returning to Ukraine. But first... But before we get there, you know, we got a quick reminder for Catherine Weller of the League of Women Voters about the people's business, Laura. That's right. So I had a chance to speak with her earlier today. We usually have Catherine Weller on or someone from the League of Women Voters and we were hoping to have him in the studio, but because we are dedicating the hour to Ukraine, uh, I recorded something earlier with Catherine to get us through what is, what, the last of a, less than a handful of days of the Utah legislature. So earlier today on Zoom, we spoke especially about the process and what to keep your eye on, Rashawn, as we get into the final 72 hours. Catherine Weller, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Um shockingly not as tired as I was last week. You know what they say, the horse always runs, speeds up when it reaches the barn door. And that's where I'm at right now. And I think it's where our legislators are at right now, too. Well, we've got less than 72 hours left in this session. It feels like maybe a little bit more because my math is getting even fuzzier (laughs) as we wind down this 45 day session. So let's Let's quickly talk about process and what our listeners should be focusing on, because I feel like sleight of hand really starts to play right about now. Yes, this is when things move really fast and it gets really crazy. So committee hearings and today um, there will be no more. So that means the influence that you have after the few committees that are meeting today finish is your senator and your representative, the people for whom you are a constituent. So um, what you need to do at this point is make a list of the bills that you're concerned about, find the bill numbers for issues that you're following, write those down so that you can follow them from floor time. The next thing I want you to do is look up your senator and your representative. Their information is available on the legislature's website and program their numbers into your phone. Emails don't work anymore. They're being bombed with emails, bombarded, if you will. Um, So when your bills come up or something that comes up that you want them to take action on, text them, text them. Yeah, and they put their cell phones on their legislative pages. I'll put a link in the show notes to le.utah.gov and the respective chambers. Exactly. And Listen to that floor time discussion. It's interesting and fun as well as maddening. (laughs) It can be maddening, let's be honest. But it's it's also, if you're a a process wonk, it's pretty neat. And sometimes you hear things that surprise you. I'll tell you, in a hearing last week, I heard Representative Lyman quote Rage Against the Machine, and I nearly fell off my chair. I was just so gobsmacked. I couldn't even retain it anymore. I was just, oh, 
it was House Governmental Operations, and it was speaking to his bill to repeal all of our good voting uh, um, measures. It reminded me a little bit, uh, as, I'm, as I'm looking at this, and the, the back and forth with the clerks um, when Paul Ryan was running for uh, president, I think it was, or maybe he's the vice president with Romney, but he, he used a song from Rage Against the Machine, and they asked him to stop. They said, "You are the machine against which we are raging," and that's kind of that's kind of the way I feel with the with with the response that I've gotten from the clerks. I want to find Tom Morello and tell him. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yes. So, so what we should do now is watch the board, explain the board, explain time certain and third reading calendars. Yes, indeed. So the board, those are the calendars that they operate by now and calendar has a slightly different meaning here it's basically their lists of the bills that they're planning on hearing or they are hearing so when you go to le.utah.gov you can scroll down a little bit and see a box on the left hand side that says resources click that and then click reading calendars and it'll pop open this nice screen with both the uh, House's reading calendars and the Senate's reading calendars. You need to pay a special attention to the time certain and third reading calendars. Let's get into some inside ball here. Time certain means a bill is going to be heard at that time. It's as specific as they're gonna get. And that gives you an opportunity to know what's happening right then and there, right? Because otherwise what happens is the bills show up in the order they intend to hear them. But a bill can be circled. And that's when the sponsor of the bill says, yeah, I don't wanna talk about it yet. And that can be for any number of reasons. Once it's um, circled, it moves to the front of the line for consideration when the sponsor requests it next, but we don't know when that's going to be. So it's things move around pretty fast. Um, concurrence, there's a separate list for concurrence, and that's a list of bills from the opposite house. They've been amended, and the houses are seeking agreement on the amendments. So this is a nice time to speak to those bills again with your representative or your senator, of course. And the last one, which is also very important, is consent. And that means the bill will be voted on without discussion or amendments. You see something on the consent calendar and you have opinions, you better make those known fast. Okay, wipe the board. This one always fascinates me. Oh, it's, yeah, this is where they just start all over again. So tonight they clear all of the bills off the board and tomorrow, it's like a brand new day. And that allows them to reorder the bills that come back up on the board again for the next days or the next periods um, floor sessions. And this is your lawmakers influence at play here too, right? What gets on the board, what gets prioritized, there's power behind that. Absolutely, there is power behind it. So watch those things very carefully because that's gonna affect the floor discussion. They typically don't wipe the board just once. It will happen multiple times in the next three days. And so that's why you need to keep checking in on those reading calendars. So you know when the bill you watch got reordered and you can give feedback on it then. Okay, you got to keep an eye on these things. The league can help you do that too. All right, lightning round to close. The good, the bad, and the ugly, perhaps, of bills. Let's start with the bad, which is kind of the ugly too, right? Oh, there's there's some ugly in there. HB 232, the Utah Lake Authority Bill from Representative Brammer. If you remember the bills that enabled the inland port, this is kind of like the, that. No officials with the expertise to manage wetlands or water sources are on this board. They're all politicians. There's very little public process. The league opposes this bill for all those reasons. HB 374, sensitive materials and schools amendment from our friend, uh, Representative Ivory, prohibits sensitive materials in schools. So all of these challenges you're hearing to uh, books in schools right now, this is to back those up. Representative Ivory back yes. as a state lawmaker after retiring. And now what was he appointed, I believe, to fill someone's spot, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, let's go with something that's good. Good. Oh, we have some good. HB 238, state holiday amendments, makes Juneteenth an official Utah state holiday. 
It's on the second reading calendar. Let's push this one through. Representative Holland's bringing this bill. Yes, indeed. Um, she's worked on this issue for a long time, and I appreciate her influence on the legislature enormously. HB 242, secondary water metering amendments from Representative Peterson. Meter secondary water sources. We don't have a lot of those in Salt Lake, um, but they do in other parts of the state. If water isn't metered, you don't know how much you're using, so you can't conserve it. And we're going into some pretty ugly drought times now. Um, people need to know how much water they're using. And lastly, HB 358. What's this one, Catherine? Mental health treatment amendments from Representative King. Finally, finally. Yes, indeed. At last, this will require state health plans to substantially comply with the Federal Mental Health Parity and Addiction Act. So the people who get uh, insurance from the state in particular need to cover mental health. And it's about time, don't you think? Yeah, you think this is going to pass? I think it's got really good support this year. It's got a good co-sponsor. Um, but as we know, things get wacky and people get crazy with funding. So um, weigh in on that if you have an opinion. Do you have one more lunch and learn kind of thing happening on Thursday? Yes, we do. We'll be in room 105 at the state capitol. You can Zoom in with us if you don't want to go to the capitol. And um, it'll be a nice recapitulation of these last uh, moments. <laughs> What's the website where folks can learn more and get all the details, as well as consider getting involved with the League of Women Voters of Utah? Oh, and we would love it if people would. Uh, we are a grassroots organization. The more people we have, the more power we have, and the more information we have. Go to lwvutah.org. And that is Catherine Weller of the League of Women Voters of Utah, recorded earlier today, Rashawn. When we come back, we'll start the Roundtable Tuesday panel discussion on Ukraine with our guests, including an interview with the mayor of a town in western Ukraine. Stick with us, folks. This is Radioactive on KRCL. The Utah Black Artists Collective connects and showcases artists of color throughout the state. The nonprofit also offers a mentorship program for young artists of color. More details at ublack.org. That's ublac.org. There's nothing like good music. And with your help, we can continue KRCL's mission of music discovery. See if your employer will match your recent donation to KRCL and double down on your support. Make a gift, pick out a t-shirt, and see if your employer matches contributions at krcl.org. KRCL, your community connection since 1979. All right, welcome back to Radioactive and Roundtable Tuesdays. I'm Laura Jones. And I'm Rashawn Leak. Coming up, Democracy Now! at 7, journalist Andrew Cockburn, historian Timothy Snyder on Ukraine, Russia, NATO expansion, and sanctions, Vagabond Radio with Barbie at 8, Connor's Late Night Lowdown starts at 10.30, and Super Sounds with Chovy at 1 a.m. All of our programming and the radioactive archives may be found online at krcl.org. Click the Programs tab to listen on demand to the last two weeks of any show. Now let's get our Roundtable Tuesday discussion going. Joining Laura and me tonight, we have Daniel Stevens, a returned Peace Corps volunteer who served in Ukraine from 2017 to 2019, Jonathan Freeman, Honorary Consul for Ukraine and Utah, and Gary Crofts, Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy, which just hosted a delegation from Ukraine in the last weeks. Danielle, let's start with you. But before we go to this, but before, let's get to this interview Laura did this morning with, with your friend Bogdan. Uh, see, I'm, I'm going to try this. You're going to have to help us yeah, out you're gonna have, This is a rough one, <laughs> Bo, for me anyway. Bogdan Kalichevi, Mayor of Kopichency in Western Ukraine. Tell us about your connection to that country. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me this evening. Um, I, uh, like Laura said, served in the United States Peace Corps in a beautiful city called Rivne in Western Ukraine from 2017 to 2019. And um, I actually just met Bogdan Kelichavye last week through another uh, Peace Corps volunteer, and he is still in Ukraine. He is actively involved with the humanitarian response in his community, including um, managing the influx of refugees in the area. All right, our, conversa our conversation's around 13 minutes or so, folks, and we'll be back with the rest of our panel 
This was recorded earlier this morning. And remember, Ukraine is nine hours ahead. It's 3 a.m. in the morning now. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, dealing with the technology issues on my end. How are you? Are you safe this morning? Uh, yeah, I'm safe um, for now. Um, I'm fine. Just learning experience of how to organize a self-defense unit uh, in a neighboring town now. And also uh, learning how to uh, draft uh, local uh, people to the military service more effectively. Uh, will you say your full name for me in the town? Oh, yeah. you're okay, from? so my name is Bogdan Kalichavi, and my my town is Kopechinci. And Kopechinci municipality includes one town and 11 villages around it. Can you describe where it is within Ukraine so our listeners can understand where you are today? Okay, so uh, this is the western part of Ukraine. This is Ternopil region of Ukraine. And what's on your closest border? Uh, it's Poland. It's near Poland, but my my region is not neighboring with Poland. Uh, the next one will be would be neighboring to, with Poland. As mayor, was this even in your wildest imagination what you would be doing is a resistance, a people's resistance to Russia? It wasn't you know like uh, in this region of Ukraine, people still uh, some people remember, remember the legend of uh, resistance uh, with Russia like during Soviet Union time, like after the Second World War, because this region was still fighting back like uh, back in forties, uh, and uh, we had like uh, people hiding in forests, and they had like a very effective network just to protect uh, the the idea of own state and own Ukrainian culture. Uh, but as you can understand, it's been like so many years ago, and uh, those legends uh, now became our reality. And uh, for me, being born uh, already in a free country, in a free, independent Ukraine, uh, this is this is definitely the toughest uh, uh, thing that could happen like uh, here in my life. So what have you been doing? What have you been doing since uh, Russia started its invasion? Tell us what a day in the life of the mayor of Kopitinsky has been like. Yeah, so we're working 24-7. I'm trying to get, to get some sleep at least uh, and uh, try to organize the structure to restructurize our city hall into a little like uh, uh, defense uh, military camp. We're organizing our uh, defense uh, uh, troops and uh, we also sending uh, people to uh, war. Uh, we also are putting block posts and planning how to put block posts uh, in our town and our villages uh, uh, to limit the access. We are seeing a lot of refugees here and uh, trying to provide them with some infrastructure, with some food, with some aid, with some uh, trying to get them involved. Uh, to our daily life um, because they also want to help and uh, this is the time when the whole nation is united for instance um, I'm hosting a family from uh, uh, Crimea the Crimean Tatars who are uh, uh, internally displaced for the second time already and um, uh, on the young the young man who is 24 years old he is a very uh, uh, brilliant surgeon and um, he's going to Harvard uh, he, he at least this is what he was planning to do and he got accepted to Harvard uh, but right now he is uh, in my hospital volunteering and and uh, making surgeries and uh, yeah this is uh, unbelievable how people got united and uh, everybody wants to help in this or another way I think it's important that we're talking to you today because uh, media um, in the area of, I think folks are looking at it going, okay, who are the legit sources of news? We've seen lots of folks using TikTok and Instagram to get information out. Do you feel like you're getting enough information in your own country about what's happening? Um, I don't, honestly, I don't watch any news. I don't have time to watch news. Um, but uh, since I'm a mayor and I'm a head of the Association of Mayors uh, in my region and I'm, uh, I'm in uh, board of directors of my association in my country, I know a lot of mayors all over the country and uh, I got like, uh, usually I don't even use TikTok, I just got like uh, from uh, 
messengers, you know, like private messages. And this is how I got the information what's going on. And the picture is not nice. Like uh, there are a lot of fights and real war and like massive, like uh, uh, all kinds of war, tanks, hel uh, tanks, helicopters, uh, planes, rockets, uh, informational war, like you name it, you know, everything like that. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, like I am, I don't have time to watch the news because uh, uh, I'm like busy here all the time. Like uh, people call me, people ask me something, and we just rebuilding, rebuilding our our community very quickly. I appreciate you taking some of your valuable time to share what's going on with us and our listeners. So, what are essentials like uh, food, water, shelter, fuel, hospitals in your region, and what are you expecting the pressures? That are going to come to bear on those shortly the essentials is like uh if you I mean what we can ask like from the international community to help us is like to help us close the sky because uh we are constantly having the uh air attacks air like sirens you know and air attacks at the same time in my town uh, luckily has been like uh it hasn't received any like attacks uh so far but uh this uh, makes us very stressful and it's hard to focus on it because you're basically like uh, one third of your day in a shelter <laughs> and uh, uh, and trying like to to hide to protect your civilians so uh, the main thing that i would ask is like uh, help us close the sky because uh, we can fight the enemy if you see if you see him even like using our own like civilians who uh, just like in six days became became soldiers um yeah uh, but i think like we have enough food we are sending also we feeding like uh, our like professional militaries and military people like all around like uh, the neighboring uh, uh departments also uh we have our own guys who went to uh, different parts of uh, hot uh, places and uh, we also are trying to help them with like we need, uh, we need uh, life vests, we need helmets, uh, because there are so many people who want to protect the land and so many people who just uh, want to protect uh, basic human values. And uh, uh, yeah, we need to protect them. So maybe this is what, like maybe not too structured enough, but this is maybe my idea is what can help us. I saw a news reports uh, last night about a town in Ukraine and the name escapes me, but um, the Russian military had entered the town and taken over the seat of government and the town people came out and said, you know, this yeah. is Ukraine, go home. And I'm guessing you're hearing more and more about that as the uh, director of the mayor's association. What are you hearing from other towns about the resistance to the Russians? Yeah, uh, I, I recognize this story that you're telling about, talking about it's uh, the, the town is called Berdyansk in it's in, in Zaporizhia region. And uh, uh, I think that Putin would consider this this town as being uh, pro-Russian because it's in eastern part of Ukraine, but it's not the case. Like, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, we we've never been so united in in our country, and everybody forgot about any like uh, disagreements in the past. Everybody is trying to focus on present and to be able to think about future. And uh, I hope this will. Um, be over soon and we would be able to rebuild our country and uh, we would be uh, I think that this situation actually proved because I have a lot of international friends and like sometimes I would have to prove to them that Ukraine is not Russia it's not the same thing and I think that uh, the international community now understands it very well because like Russia wouldn't attack itself you know and uh, but it's not only like about uh, between Russia and Ukraine. This is also about like uh, uh, the aggressor that we're having in Europe and uh, we have to deal with. And we all as a community, as a uh, global community, have to react on because uh, definitely Putin wouldn't stop in Ukraine. Like if we would allow him to move on, if Ukrainian soldiers wouldn't be uh, that brave and that patriotic, like he would, he would definitely move on. He would take like, whatever, Moldova, Romania, uh, Baltic countries, Finland, like you name it, yeah, you know, he would find arguments for, for and reasons for <laughs> for any of this, of those. 
and I hope that uh, this would be a, a big lesson for our not only for Ukrainians, for us, it would definitely be a big lesson and for my town and for my people. But I also hope that this would be a big lesson for the international community as well. Lastly, I think uh, Americans were impressed by your President Zelensky saying, I need ammunition, not a ride. And I think the larger world is looking at someone who came from entertainment mm -hmm. and uh, is, did not take the first plane out and still there. Does that give heart to your community, to your to your country? Of course, uh, it does. Like uh, there, there were some uh, kind of um, this kind of um, image that was created around uh, our president that he's from the entertainment business, but uh, he is uh, he's a manager, you know. Like uh, this is just the field that he was working in, but he knows how to manage, how to. Uh, think strategically how to act bravely and uh, this is how he actually proved himself to be a true leader of our nation and uh, everybody sees that and uh, yeah maybe uh, uh, later on like there'll be more criticism maybe there'll be more like uh, people would uh, uh, have some disagreements but right now like everybody the opposition coalition everybody all the all people in ukraine and outside of ukraine i only can see the support uh, people who don't support us as only those who get lack of information or like uh, they have like different information well thank you again for giving us some of your very limited time as you go about organizing your community is there any last message you'd like to give the american people oh i can just uh invite you to Ukraine to see our beautiful country and our people. We are just, uh, um, despite despite the, like, uh, the language barrier that most of Ukrainians have, like, and like, so it can presume, you can presume that you didn't, don't understand us and we are different, but indeed we are very same people and we uh, have very similar dreams and plans for future. And uh, we just, uh, if you're, uh, really support us if you really uh, have feeling patience like support Ukraine like uh, show your position and uh, uh, this would definitely help us uh, uh, to win this war which is not only Ukrainian war but uh, our uh, all our war the world the war for everybody like uh, and uh, uh, we would uh, also like to be very reliable partners and if uh, we have we already have a real a really good uh, army and everybody knows that and we would uh, really love to uh, be there for you in uh, in uh, when you need it you know in a moment of need thank you so much be safe and i'd love to check in from time to time you've got my whatsapp and vice versa so all of all of the best from salt lake city to you and your town of Kapin Kap I, i'm gonna get it Yes, only if you promise to come, you will learn it, how to pronounce it. And I really, I'm really looking forward to it, Laura. Thanks for the uh, important job that you're doing. Thanks for the time that you're spending for this. And I really hope that we'll be able to follow each other on social media and keep, uh, keep uh, each other posted. And that is Bogdan Kelichavi, mayor of Kopinchinsi in Western Ukraine. I did my best, Bogdan. And uh, this is Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones with Rashawn Leak. What did you think of that firsthand account recorded earlier this morning via Zoom? It's now 3 a.m. or 3.27 a.m. in Ukraine. Rashawn. I, I loved it. I mean, it's it's just touching. It, 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 remi it It's really a reminder that we are all connected. You know, I mean, and that's what he was calling for. He's asking for allyship. You know, he's, he's asking for help you know and and like you said they have a strong army but there still is a rather small country in the big scope of things when you have a a huge country like russia knocking on your door yeah yeah we have danielle stevens with us tonight and she hooked me up with bogdan the mayor of competency in western ukraine i'm going to be able to say that really well by the end of the hour but danielle you were there 2017 to 2019 as a volunteer with uh, peace corps can you tell us briefly about the family you stayed with and how they're doing yeah, um, I stayed with a, a couple of empty nesters, as I'll call them. Um, they are Larissa and Vitaly, and uh, we lived in a in a high rise in Rivne, Ukraine, on the 14th floor. And um, they are the kindest people I've I've ever met in my life. Um, I am consistently 
uh, floored and, and just shocked by their hospitality and that when I arrived in their home, um, I really didn't speak much of the language and they welcomed me with open arms. They they accepted me into their home as their American daughter. They fed me for two years and taught me how to make Ukrainian food. They shared their customs with me. They shared their home with me. And um, it's been uh, incredibly difficult to acknowledge that um, they may not make this out of it alive. Now, half of them have evacuated to a safer part of the country? Um, they uh, have not left. Um, I think you're referring to uh, their children who did evacuate Kiev. They are home now with their parents. Um, I don't think they have any plans to evacuate Ukraine itself. Uh, their sons can't leave, given the That's current... That's right, the edict that men of fighting age must oh, stay. Oh, is that, yes. is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, okay, That's what's going that makes on, sense. Michelle. Well, and uh, I think the last count was half a million f- folks have fled, have been displaced to... Uh, areas, including Russia. I saw a certain graph that said 129,000 went to Russia, the majority to other countries surrounding it. And let's bring in now Rashawn, another one of our panelists. How about Jonathan Friedman, honorary consul for Ukraine in Utah? Thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, ran into you, actually, we didn't have a chance to chat, but a week or so ago, our other panelist here <laughs> with this Gary Cross from the Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy was leading a dinner at Spy Hop with a delegation from Ukraine, and you were there speaking as right. well. And uh, I just wanted to get your take on the response of Utahns, especially the rally that happened Monday night at the Capitol and an unusual flag flying over the Utah Capitol. Oh, it's just been incredible. The support, the outpouring of support that we've received from the people of Utah in support of Ukraine has been humbling. Um, yes, we've had two rallies. Well, we've had a number of rallies in the last uh, 10 days, but uh, last Saturday we had a very you know successful rally. And then yesterday, last night, um, the governor, the lieutenant governor, Mayor um, Mendenhall of Salt Lake City um, and others, uh, Speaker of the House um, spoke last night in, uh, and, and uh, in, spoke in solidarity uh, with Ukraine. Uh, it was incredibly moving. There were musical numbers. There were, um, it, it was just beautiful. And most meaningful, I will say, um, potentially most meaningful, is that they raised the Ukrainian flag on the east side of the Capitol building. That has never been done. No foreign flag has ever been raised on the Utah State Capitol before. So I've been hearing lots of lawmakers with connections, and I'd love to hear your connection, but uh, one in particular whose name escapes me adopted two children from Ukraine. So this is beyond the basic decency of humanity in the face of this carnage, um, is these more personal connections. Sure, sure. Um, I, uh, well, I, I got involved um, w- in serving the country of Ukraine, initially by serving a, an LDS mission in the early 1990s. And, uh, and had remained in contact with many people in Ukraine over the years. In 2007, the Ukrainian ambassador to the United States that runs the embassy in DC uh, was visiting Utah and asked uh, that I asked if I would be willing to serve in this capacity as honorary consul of Ukraine here in Utah, which I agreed to do. It took about a year to go through the, to get through the uh, Foreign Ministry of Ukraine and the Department of State here. Um, and then he opened up the uh, consulate, Ukrainian consulate office here in uh, Utah in 2008. So, so what are what are the expectations when you take on a role like that? What what do they what do they need of you? What you know what what are you expected to do? Sure. Well, we have a threefold mission um, in in the consulate office here, and that is first and foremost to aid Ukrainian nationals that live within our state and 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 in this region within the region of the West. Um, to foster um, trade and, and economic development between Ukraine and Utah, and then to grow diplomatic ties between the two states. And so we host, just like we, just like we saw last week um, with a delegation from Ukraine, we host uh, Ukrainian dignitaries regularly um, in the state. You said you also assist Ukrainian nationals living here, so there is a Ukrainian community here. What are you hearing from them and their concerns, and how are you assisting them? Yes, we have a vibrant, small but vibrant community here. We get together often. Um, it's a close-knit community of about 1,500 Ukrainians. 
Uh, there is a lot of, uh, it, it's a bit blended with the Russian community, um, which we love. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, they are concerned. They're concerned for their family. Nearly everyone has family um, that remain in Ukraine, and so they're concerned for them. But you can't help but be inspired by the resilience and the courage of Ukrainians um, right now, defending their country against a much bigger foe. I mean, you you really hit the nail on the head. It's it's really impressive when you see. I mean, the mayor of a city, you know, taking up arms. You know, when you hear just regular everyday folk just coming and and you know gearing gearing up and 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 just going at it. You know, and you as an American, you like to think like, oh, if if that happened here, you know, I I'd like to think, but I don't know if, if I'm speaking honestly. I, like, mm-hmm. you'd like to think that's what you would do, but but realistically, you know, I, who knows. Um, the elderly, school children picking up AK-47s for the first time to defend their families. Well, and you were saying before we went on the air that you've been getting emails about folks wanting to go and fight, and there's a unique way to do that, apparently. I'm, I'm not encouraging or advocating, but this is what's happening. Right, right. So President Zelensky of Ukraine, um, really in a plea to the international community, asked that people willing able and willing come and join the Ukrainian forces. This is not as a foreign force, but it's an international league of fighters. And we have, I, I have received hundreds of emails in the last 48 hours um, uh, from people that, from Utah that want to join um, this league of fighters and, and asking how they would do that. And the Ukrainian embassy in DC has um, sent me information that I'm forwarding to people um, that, that, allows them to apply and get over there as soon as possible. Now, That's again, incredible. they would be wearing Ukrainian yeah. uniforms, yeah. certainly not U.S. uniforms or other from other countries. And that's what's tricky. And I would love to bring in Gary Crofts now, program officer with the Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy, who led or, or hosted this delegate, was a representative for UCCD in this delegation from Ukraine that came. There was a, a whole team effort there, Gary, yeah. to, to host the delegation, which was an, also an LGBTQ delegation reporting on what their organizations are doing in ukraine and this was unknown at the time they were here have you heard from them since they've gone back yeah so this was a group of uh leaders from ukraine that were here in the united states as part of the u.s congress open world exchange program and so we at uccd hosted them here in salt lake as part of their exchange here in the united states and they were here just a few days ago and um we we talked about it. We, you know, of course it came up all the time, but I don't think any one of us really thought that it would come to this scale of, of horror and an invasion. So, no, I, I think that's what it is. You, you know, you always hear about, you know, someone threatening this and threatening that, but, yeah. but to actually see it and like unfolding right before your eyes through, you know, social media and, and even TikTok, you know, yeah. one of the random sites that are live streaming things that are going on. Have you been in touch with them since? How are, how is everyone doing? Where yeah. are they? We've we've definitely been in touch. So they were here in Salt Lake for uh, about a week and a half. Um, you know, we're spending all day together, going from meeting to meeting, meeting with the local community. We went to a jazz game. Um, we got really close, and um, so absolutely we've been in touch over instagram facebook checking in on how they're doing um and i think that's the beauty of these kinds of exchange programs is that you know you can read about this stuff in the news and and there are plenty of other conflicts going on in other areas of the world right now but for me this one is really special because um i was with these people all day and it puts a human face on the news headlines so now they're in bomb shelters and um, yeah, Danielle, like you were saying about the family that you lived with for two years, broke bread with them at the table. I had a, a friend who lives in Germany and she teaches English mm. and she made this post today that was really, really hit home. And she has students from Russia and she has students from Ukraine in her classes. And she asked them what they miss most about their the countries of origin. And she posted these two pieces of paper and they wrote down the exact same thing. I don't know what it was because I couldn't read it, but I think it was it was a food, a type of food, and food is such a a, a bridge between cultures. And um, Danielle, what are your concerns? Because 
You spent two years there, and this is not just a Ukrainian crisis you would like to emphasize. Yeah, um, this is definitely a world crisis. Uh, I, I think many of us know now that Chernobyl is at risk, and there is um, a serious risk if the exclusion zone is compromised. And also, I think we need to ask ourselves how our current actions are emboldening Putin and um, how far is too far. Yeah, you mentioned Chernobyl. Roshan, I read a story, uh, and it was alleging that shifts are not being allowed to change, which is a huge safety issue in running a nuclear power plant, which I had no idea it was still active. So after the disaster there. So um, what is it you'd like folks to know about the Ukrainian spirit, spirit actually, and the love for their country? Um, so when I was there in 2018, there was a skirmish in the Kerch Strait. Um, Russians fired on a Ukrainian, three Ukrainian vessels and captured them. And uh, we in the country were living under martial law for about a week. And I asked my best friend, uh, Tanya, um, one of the most fierce women I know, what she would do if Ukraine tried something, or sorry, if Russia tried something with Ukraine. Uh, and she said, I will stay and I will fight. And I, we're seeing that on a huge scale now. It's, it's not just her, and uh, Ukrainians are the embodiment of tenacity. And their president, Rushan, who comes from entertainment, played the president in a television show, sounds uh, interesting. And um, he said, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. Because right. we, we offered to get him out of the country, and he's there. Uh, the former president is still there. And as you said, women, children, the elderly, um, taking up arms. But Gary, I, I want to know what you think. As the Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy, we're trying to build rapport one handshake at a time. Yeah. This is obviously going to put a strain on that worldview. So uh, as a council, have you been meeting and, and talking about this and how to support Ukraine? Yeah, we have. Um, and that's the beauty of the programs that we do is that uh, we provide these beautiful human experiences with people from other parts of the world that our local community members can interact with. You know, these these Ukrainians stayed in the homes of local Salt Lake volunteers, just regular people. And, um, you know, when when you have that connection it, it brings a whole different perspective to when world events happen, when, when you know somebody who's over there right now. What do you, what do you want to see from other world powers? What, what should we be doing? This is for everybody. This is for, yeah, this is an open question here. All right, Jonathan. Well, I mean, the embassy, um, in, in, uh, the Ukrainian embassy in D.C. has asked that we get the word. First of all, we do a number of things. We speak the truth. We need to combat the Russian propaganda lies. And, and, I know that seems kind of strange in the United States, but they are the, those lies are incredibly pervasive, and they pierce international borders. And so they want us to speak the truth. I think that the coverage that we're getting here is is doing just that. Um, we uh, you know want to install a, a no-fly zone over Ukraine to secure the borders from the air. That's what Bogdan was asking for, mm -hmm. right? As a mayor, saying please. No oh, fly zone. I, I mean, Bogdan, unfortunately, is seeing missiles over his head. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they're taking out, uh, unfortunately, not just not just infrastructure. But military. They're not just taking out military. They're not just taking out military and, 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 you know, TV, radio infrastructure, but they're, you know, they're hitting civilian, civilian targets. targets. So, um, and then also peacekeepers. You know, we need peacekeepers to go into Ukraine and stabilize the situation right away. I mean... It is increasingly, it's getting increasingly scary and scarier. Well, and that's a challenge when you say the word peacekeeper. Mm -hmm. That is a strategy that uh, Putin mm -hmm. or Russia is saying is that I'm only there as a, as a peacekeeper. And then I've seen in some different uh, uh, avenues some conversations with different Russian ambassadors. I saw one from, from Ireland. And um, when the reporters confront them, the answer I'm hearing is, you went into Iraq. And I think that's a really hard thing to counter, like our moms always said, two wrongs don't make a right, Rashawn. But this is, this is the argument that uh, is being made—a talking point from Russia. <sighs> I, I, and you know, and, and it's a fair one. It, it's mm -hmm. a fair one because you know, while we have a president who is who is calling for peace, you know, I, I and I don't want to get too political, but mm -hmm. this is, we are we are not above these same actions, and and many countries would say the United States has done similar things. So it, it's it's a rough one, but I I don't know. It, it it just feels you know with it being 2022, it, it feels like there 
there should be more diplomacy. It feels like we should be able to resolve our issues at, at a table and not behind a tank or a war. Danielle, you and, and got a response. To, oh, I'm sorry. Go well, ahead, Jonathan. Let's not make a, you know, uh, let, let's also just be clear that the Ukrainians are begging for people for for help they're yes, begging absolutely. for assistance so and because they're not a nato country yep. then the the nato it's response is true, out yeah. he's asked a uh, direct appeal to the eu to be admitted directly um i haven't heard if they even gave a response to that but that would trigger all sorts of things that, yeah. and, and with putin saying he's not afraid to go nuclear it's got everybody i think terrified well, from holding, me yeah. to the president mm -hmm. what do you think well, I mean, this whole thing is a tremendous underdog story, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and and it's it's galvanized the world around Ukraine. Uh, but in at, in the same breath, you have to be. Uh, we were talking about this, um, you know, earlier. We're, you have to be very concerned about the overdog here, and yeah. that is Vladimir Putin. And you have to be concerned about what the the lengths that he may go to to protect his own ego. And I, you know, it's hard to it's hard to understand what his end game is here, because when you're hitting civilian targets, you're claiming, of course, lying and saying you're a peacekeeper entering the country to help them. But then you're targeting them. Uh, you're not making friends. Mm -hmm. And so let's say he can overthrow the government. And uh, then what? You know, what is the end game? How will he get the Ukrainian support? That I, don't, I can't answer. Well, I, I think that's a good call. We we have a president of Russia literally holding the world hostage because of the having nuclear arms. I mean, that's what we're seeing, and no one wants. No, who wants to be the person that that is the precipice of causing a nuclear war? Yeah. yeah. Well, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. I just want a little, I need to take a breath. Oh, seriously. So a little Los Lobos peace on KRCL 90.9. Oh, a little Los Lobos, Rashawn, to pull it back. You know, we are a community affairs show, and what we try and do is bring people onto the program and talk. I don't expect anybody to have a Ph.D., uh, this is just people talking about this issue and what concerns them. What concerns you? I, I mean, truth be told, it's it's what happens next. What are what are next steps? You know, because we're, you know, I hate to sound so cliche, but we are literally in between a rock and a hard place, because you want to do what's right and and you want. I mean, as an American, you want us to go in and you want us to help out because that's that's our mantra. That's what you know. We we have been the help and we've been world police if you will and we've made some pretty big mistakes we, on that, on that world stage we've got a lot of history to look back on and i don't want to discount that but uh I, I just can't believe these ambassadors when they finally can't take the interrogation anymore from a western journalist you did this in iraq and it makes me it it, it makes me go zero to 60 pretty pretty fast but what i want to focus on Rashawn, for this last <laughs> bit of roundtable tuesday <laughs> Let's get off my anger, uh, high horse, um, is how folks can help. Because we saw 1,500 people turn out of the Capitol last night for the Stand With uh, Ukraine rally. And Valin Pratrovich, one of the Voices Amplified student journalists at Community College, alerted me to strangers supporting Ukrainians coming up on Friday, March 4th at Public Coffee Roasters at 7. And then on Saturday, March 5th, Cactus and Tropicals at 7 course it's going to raise money and be sent to uh, help folks in Ukraine I'll put a link in tonight's show notes 100% of your proceeds go to uh, Razom born out of the revolution of dignity in 2014 when millions of people worked together and risked their lives to build a pathway to a better future for Ukraine and also lifting hands international the refugees LHI supports come from a wide range of locations and cultures different traditions sharing a common experience having to leave everything behind. In fact, um, tomorrow night or Thursday night, I'm going to share an interview with Samira Harnish, who founded Women of the World, a nonprofit in Love Utah, it. to specifically help displaced women who have resettled in Utah. Does great work. So if you're looking for a local nonprofit to help in general displaced persons, including, I'm sure, Ukrainian refugees that will be coming to Utah in the future, 
um, that is a local nonprofit to to check out. So let's ask our guests what their ideas are for help. Who do you want to go to, Rashawn? Let's let's go to Danielle. Danielle, like our, our listeners, what what can they be doing to get involved? Yeah. Um, so I ask listeners to please not be complacent in this issue. Call your Congress people. Ask them for continued ongoing re- uh, support to Ukraine. Also, um, it is really more important now than ever to use Ukrainian names for their homeland. As an example, Kiev is the Russian name for the capital. Kiev is the Ukrainian name. Also, it is not the Ukraine. It is just Ukraine. I had that conversation today around here because the Ukraine implies it's a vassal state of Russia, right? Oh. Yep. Yes. Yes. And um, also support the uh, media sources that are sharing the news with the world in English. Uh, the Kiev Independent is based in Ukraine. They are doing their reporting directly from Ukraine and are accepting donations. Also, the Euromaidan Press is a reliable source for news. We'll be sure to put those in our show notes. All right, uh, Gary, um, I'm not sure we want to take that with Utah Council for Citizens and Diplomacy because this might be a more of a long-range thing, but I'm guessing you have some ideas. Yeah, I think first off, what anybody can do is just take a moment to get educated on the issue. Spend some time reading through some history on Wikipedia. Um, you'll learn a lot of the, the history of what these people have gone through um, and what they're dealing with. And like you were saying, Lara, um, you know, there are other people from different parts of the world that are being uh, displaced, uh, similar to what Ukrainians are going through right now. And there are plenty of opportunities to volunteer. I, I volunteer all the time with Catholic Community Services. and International and Rescue Committee of Salt right. Lake City. Yeah, exactly. Which does a one. lot of work with folks um, who have been displaced and resettle here and build new lives. All right. Jonathan, what, what could we be doing? Well, like it's, uh, it's already been said, I think it is really important and, uh, to contact your local representatives, certainly state, state uh, senators and con- members of Congress, and the White House. We have to um, keep the sanctions ramped up. Yeah. Uh, that will have a profound effect. Um, there are a list of organizations that the Ukrainian embassy in D.C. has sent me that are vetted uh, that I can share with you to, for, uh, to put on your website for Please listeners do. to go to your website. Uh, but but I, I love what uh, was said. Be educated. You know, really get to know the issues here. Read some history books. Absolutely. Rashad? I mean, go to your library. Go to, yeah, I know you let's said take out a book. Like, let's take out. You know, my house, I remember we got the Encyclopedia, the Encyclopedia Britannica. Britannica. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Jay was missing for a long time. I don't know who borrowed that in the neighborhood, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the library is going to have that that fully stocked. Another one I want to mention, uh, I, you know, I was go, trying not to doom scroll. I was trying to find some hope. And Chef Jose Andre, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Spanish-American chef, restaurateur, restaurateur, founder of World Central Kitchen, he was, you know, posting live uh, near the border with Poland, setting up kitchens to feed people. So that's another organization that has a great track record of helping people. And we'll put these in the show notes tonight. We're not done. We still have about five, five, eight minutes. And I see Jonathan with his I, hand up. I wanted to go. I wanted to go back to Jonathan because he brought up something that are, are the. Are the current imposed sanctions enough, or should we be going? Should we be going harder? I don't think we can ever have high enough sanctions against Russia. Um, I just wanted to mention, as you're talking about, you know, what the average Yucatan can do. I was really inspired just before I left my office. I got an email um, from the King's English Book Bookstore yep. in Salt Lake, yep. where they're going to um, they're organizing. I think just for later this week, or maybe this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, to be announced. I guess I don't have a date. But uh, they're going to do some Ukrainian poetry reading. Okay. Uh, I love, I think see. You said the magic for poetry, right? We yep. love that on this show. So uh, I will be reaching out to them and adding it to the list. And folks, if you have something, please email radioactive at krcl.org. All right. We we have a few more minutes here, Rashawn. And, you know, like I said, I was I was, I was doom scrolling. It's a, it's a scary time. And. Growing up a child of the 80s, I remember when the Berlin Wall came down and what mm-hmm. a relief that felt like. And this feels like metaphorically it's going right back up. How do you feel? I, I, I feel the same. I mean, you know, Gary brought up a, a good point. This is not new. If, if you if you follow this is this has been while while this is popping off right now, there's been there's been issues between Russia and Ukraine going back to the World War Two. So this mm-hmm. is they're just revisiting it. And it's, it almost feels as if Putin is finishing somebody else's project. And I just, I, 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 I don't understand. I, I, you know, Jonathan 
made a great point. Like, what, what's what's the gain here? Uh, you know, yeah. what what is the hope? Because you know, not to, not to talk ill of of some Russians, but you know, there there are people in Russia starving right now. So I don't see I don't see what adding extra land mass will do. You know, when you're having issues, well, Ukraine is does have quite far. Uh, yeah, that's true. There, what potatoes? It? I think they're number one, and potatoes and a and a couple others. So it's. I, you know, I, I don't. I, I actually don't want to try and and get into the head of Putin, but I just don't understand what what the goal is here. Jonathan, you like you said, you're first of all, you're the honorary consul for Ukraine in Utah. You started out by going on a mission there, and did you get into any of those stories when you're on your mission field about the old antagonisms? You know, it's yes, um, it, but it, it's interesting. Like these horrific events, like the Holodomor, where Stalin starved millions of Ukrainians to death. Well, and I read that uh, one of the sites that had been struck by a missile was a Holocaust memorial. Mm. Well, you know, these types of stories did not get out. They were not. They they were not allowed to be published before Ukraine became a sovereign nation in 1991. That is one major reason we need to protect the sovereignty of Ukraine. All right, Gary, we want to go to you with some some final thoughts for our listeners tonight, the Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy. First of all, where can people check it out? Yeah, check us out at utahdiplomacy.org. Uh, we're also on all social media at Utah Diplomacy. I'm guessing you're going to look for the next opportunity to reestablish uh, visits with Ukrainians yeah, for absolutely. your programs. It may be a while. Yeah. Um, what is it that you want folks to know about that power of sitting down with folks from other parts of the world? Well, I really felt it this past week. Um, the, the emotional connection and just seeing another person as a human being with a family and with needs, um, it totally changes the way that you consume news, mm -hmm. that you uh, think about conflict, that you think about suffering in other parts of the world. And that's a that's a beautiful thing. It's a hard thing, but it's it's beautiful. And the LGBTQ delegation from Ukraine that was here mm -hmm. visiting as a as a partnership with yes. Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy, their work now all the more meaningful. Absolutely. In fact, they, they can you share just a little bit about what they were saying? I mean, because I in a, in a sense, as I was watching their presentations, I was mm -hmm. kind of taken back to. LGBTQ relations in this country in the 80s. Right, right. And, you know, Ukraine has a difficult enough situation as it is um, for the LGBTQ communities over there. Um, you know, we're very lucky here. But Russia has an even worse track record. And I think that's their fear is that mm -hmm. these communities become even more vulnerable. Danielle Stevens, we're going to go to you for some closing thoughts. You're a returned Peace Corps volunteer, served in Ukraine from 2017 to 2019. You're also, I just want folks to know this about you, Executive Director of People's Legal Aid here in Utah. What are, what are your closing concerns, or what do you want to leave people with? We've already talked ways to help, but um, perhaps you have some final thoughts. I, um, I recommend listeners go watch Winter on Fire. It's an excellent documentary that provides really great context for why we are where we are today uh, and also uh, illustrates the Ukrainian drive um, to align more with the West and um, also ask listeners to remember that Ukraine has been at war with Russia since 2014. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has been largely absent from Western media, despite it being one of the worst humanitarian crises uh, for the present day. And uh, Slava Ukraini, glory to Ukraine. All right, you make me weep, I'm telling you. So Rashad, I got a little piece like a river from Paul Simon here as we close the show. I, I don't know, Laura. It's, it, this one is a, this one's a rough one. This one, it, it's, it, it's rough because it, it, you know, there, there are people, you know, you know, while, while we're, while we sit in the confines of our, and you know, the comfort. comfort of our new studio and, and we're here in the States, you know, it's, it, it makes you really want, it, it makes you want to just reach out, you know, and do whatever you can, you know, it, it's because, because what's next, you know, it, it's, it, it could easily be us, you know, and I, I was telling them before when we were off air, you know, we're, we are so fortunate in the United States by having, you know, the Pacific Ocean on one side the Atlantic Ocean on the other, you know, Canada above us, Mexico below us. And and so we are we're we're insulated. And but but when you hear a, a mayor, you hear a country asking for soldier, asking for people to fly out and and just join forces, it, it, it just shows you 
the 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 need, you know, and and I don't know, it, it just just hug your loved ones. Hug your loved ones. Thank you to our guests. Thank you for listening. Check the show notes tonight. There is a picture of Bogdan Kalivachi and his wife Maria in their bomb shelter at 2 a.m. Thank you so much. I'm Laura Jones. I'm Rashawn Leak. Until we meet next week for another Roundtable Tuesday edition of Radioactive, stay strong and take care, everyone. This is KRCL, Listener's Community Radio of Utah. KRCL, Salt Lake City. International Women's Day is Tuesday, March 8th, and we're celebrating by amplifying femme voices from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. KRCL's women DJs will all be on air one hour at a time, bringing you songs, stories, and voices from women worldwide and from right here in our own community. Tune in and turn up International Women's Day on KRCL, Tuesday, March 8th, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Details at krcl.org. The ladies will kick it, the rhyme it is wicked. Those that don't know how to be pros get evicted.